welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. everybody for welcome to labor vision i'm your host erica hammond and from the institute for labor studies and research and joining me today from our all of our at-home studios um, are ayana melvin the senior project manager of educational initiatives at united way of ri she's also the lead for the rhode island after school network as well as uh, Hillary Salmons, Executive Director of CASA, the Providence After School Alliance. And we also have another a special guest today, Sophia Chan, who is the, uh, she's a student and she is also a prodigy of the after school program. So thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Are you Thanks, Erica. Is this all of your first time on Labor Vision? Yes. Yeah. That's really exciting. It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we start by giving a little bit of background on each of your programs. So, Ayanna, would you like to first start talking about the educational initiatives at United Way um, and the role you play there? Sure. So, United Way has always felt like education is a great way for community to be strengthened, whether um, supporting education through after-school programs and um, summer learning programs and summer learning initiatives, or supporting education through literacy programs. So our Women's United does a lot around literacy and um, making sure to put some supports there and partnering with libraries. So that's kind of the United Way end of how they want to show support is by being a convener and having people meet and be able to network. And so it was a natural fit for them to be the fiscal sponsor for the Rhode Island After School Network. Mm -hmm. And they've really been super supportive of the field and helping professionalize it. So we do a lot of professional development. Um, like I said before, we are able to bring in partnerships and really hold um, some large events where the field can get together and celebrate. So our Lights on After School, which we do every year, and highlight the great things that the out-of-school time programs do across the state of Rhode Island. We have an executive committee that really oversees the business of the network and um, my position, the network lead, and make sure that we're, um, we have values and missions and goals and we're meeting all of those as we continue to build up this field and continue to support the field. And so I'm happy to be on here with Hillary because um, she's on our executive committee uh, from PASA and she brings in a lot of expertise, not only from her years being involved in out of school time, but also just running such a powerful organization that is a champion in the state of the work and champion nationwide. And people follow her model across the state of, I'm sorry, across the um, United States. So it's very impressive. And then um, Sophia and I have a long history because I came to the United Way out of after school programs, out of summer programs as a site coordinator, a provider, a director. And now I'm here um, and, and really kind of advocating because I know that it changes lives. So the after school network really is such a wide array of folks. It, it starts off with our young people and their families and it goes all the way up to people who are, you know, fighting for this federally. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ayanna. You're welcome. 
Hillary, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, give a background on PASA, the Providence After School Alliance, as well as the role that you guys play with the network? Yeah, sure. Um, PASA's been around for 15 years, I think almost the same number of years as the State Alliance, and we've been working hand in hand to really grow and improve the quality of out-of-school time learning and making sure that it's an integral part of the of the school day so that we start thinking about building together with the teachers, and I'm so excited there are audience today, a sort of seamless day of learning. And the out-of-school time community in Rhode Island, I don't think our own state realizes, is kind of considered one of the best in the country because it isn't babysitting. It isn't just filling the hours between three to five to three to six. We have elementary school leaders, middle school leaders, and high school organizations that all kind of come in as like a system that to, um, to enhance the, the day. And so it's, it's a mixture of arts and sports. Um, it's hands-on learning, STEM learning, leadership development, and PASA was created by um, then Mayor Cicilline 15 years ago with a huge grant from the Wallace Foundation to figure out how do we just bring the programs together. So we're building a collective that's much more seamless so people aren't competing for space in schools, but we're, in, we're operating in a united way. So we, we focus mostly on middle school and high school. Um, okay. And we, we serve 2,000 youth. We're in um, five of the seven middle school uh, schools. And we serve 2,000 youth with over 50 organizations. And it turns out we have 30 or 40 teachers that we pay. And we pay about 250 part-time workers to do this amazingly dynamic um, enhancement of learning, which there isn't time for in the school day, but certainly complements the school day. And it, it's, you know, you may just have a basketball team at, at the middle school, but through PASA, we have wrestling through Beat the Streets, we do sailing at community boating, we offer up martial arts. So by bringing in all these talents, we work hiring teachers who also teach the programming. We build this uh, seamless system and like we work hand in hand with the uh, State Alliance to really focus on quality. So we have some of the best metrics and assessments um, in the country. In fact, the RAND Corporation has worked with us in two other cities to serve, to develop a whole way of assessing the social emotional learning skills and what youth are gaining, as Sophia is gonna demonstrate, as this life of, uh, of, 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 of enriched learning that she's gained beyond the classroom. But we measure that stuff and we train around improving the quality. So we, just like the education community, take assessment and teacher training really, really important as, as a priority. So we've done that collectively in Rhode Island, and I think we've done that collectively in Providence um, under the leadership of every mayor. So we've had each mayor really embrace this collective effort rather than being the once patchwork quilt of, you know, sometimes people think of it as, you know, well, sometimes some is good and some isn't great. Well, the reality is in Rhode Island, we have really elevated all boats, and um, we've got an unbelievable right. talent pool, one of the best in the country. Wow, that's awesome. Sophia, I think that that would be a this would be a perfect time and for you to talk a little bit about what this program has meant to you, how you've benefited from some of the many uh, pieces of this program that Hillary just highlighted. Um, so why don't you give a little bit of a background on how you got involved? Yeah, so uh, in middle school, I went to Maine and I joined after school programs for the first time. Uh, I actually joined to do tennis, but instead I ended up joining a lot of STEM-based clubs. And uh, there I was first introduced to engineering and a lot of more hands-on projects because it's really hard to get the sort of like the hands-on aspect in school. You only have so much time. So 
I was able to work on a project. We did uh, the NASA project and we built hydraulic robotic arms. And it was there that I really fell in love with science and engineering for the first time. And uh, you know, now I'm going to pursue, uh, pursue bioengineering for college. And so- That's awesome. Yeah, definitely shaped a, a big aspect of my life. Okay, so was working in this program, uh, you mentioned that this was the first time that you had kind of been introduced to engineering or you had had the ability to actually put any of those pieces to actual form. You said hands-on learning. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that project you worked on, the robotics project? Uh, yeah, so uh, one of our main projects was the NASA project. So um, we were we were given a challenge. So we had to we had to design a parachute to uh, have like carry a payload down to Mars. So we ended up designing the whole thing and creating little prototypes of it. And uh, it was a lot of work, but we learned how to coordinate as a team and definitely a lot of engineering skills. And definitely really cool because after school programs allow you to take everything you've learned during the day and put it into one, like, right. put it to, you know, to, to action. Right. If you had an extra hour of every day, hopefully it could be spent at a program like this, right? Where you could actually yes. do all the things you don't necessarily have the time to do throughout the day. Uh, that's incredible. That's awesome. So would you say that that played a large role in deciding uh, what you were going to study in college now? Definitely, definitely. Before, I didn't really know what careers were out there, but I mean, I, I sort of got to explore a lot of different areas. Like we did some coding clubs and things like that too. And I really sort of realized that engineering was something that I wanted to pursue. So it's, it's equally, I always say it's equally as important to find out what you don't want to do as it is to find out what you do want to do. So you have to take part in some other parts of the program and figure out what does work and what doesn't work. Yes. Right? <laughs> Discovering your passions is what after school is about. It's for you to, um, particularly since the majority of the programs serve low income kids in this state, it's often a, a window on the world of careers. Um, it, they discover what their skills are, what their talents are. They get to try stuff out. And if they don't like that, they can switch it up the next semester. And so it's really a time to explore. I mean, it's kind of as the state's been made a big thing of career pathway planning. I think the out-of-school time um, system that we've built in this state from elementary to middle to high is the perfect time to explore, yeah. test, develop skills. And I think most of the young people in Providence who, by the time they get to their sophomore, junior year, their out-of-school time experiences are starting to inform who they want to be and what they might want to explore in college yeah. or not in college with apprenticeships or whatever. So I think it's 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 a it's a, an important sector that really aligns career pathway work with educational work. Oh, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head at the beginning. You said, this isn't babysitting. I mean, there's so much more to these programs. And Ayana, we talked about this, what seems like months ago now, but can you, can you talk about some of the other programs and projects that participants of the after school network have been involved in? I remember there was one specifically in Cranston that you talked about, um, and it had a lot to do with getting folks and getting participants involved with reaching out to legislators. And can you talk a little bit about that, that project or any other project that you talk about? Sure, and Sophia, you know, feel free to jump in and interrupt me because 
you know, she was kind of along the way while we did all of this. Um, although she was in her own group doing some engineering projects because of how after school is designed, she had opportunities for leadership and organization. So she organized along with a, a group, uh, a leadership, a student leadership team. And really we were tasked with doing several different things, including um, running the programs, hiring teachers, looking at projects. And one in particular project that uh, her class at the time was really focused on, hyper-focused on, was beautifying um, Cranston. And what that meant to them was doing small projects like painting crosswalks or putting picnic benches outside of schools or making Adirondack chairs for, you know, um, when you have the quad and the kids are sitting inside, uh, you know, someplace to sit and hang out during the school day. And one of the interesting things is, is that while they were doing all this planning, they were like, okay, well now we have to celebrate. And they were adding all these different components to it and realized, hey, if we have to celebrate, you know, and, and we want to have our local legislators come and our local, you know, town of our city officials, we're going to have to call them and, and we're going to have to organize and then we're going to have to get permits and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so they dealt with calling these folks on the phone and talking to them. Um, Sophia, actually, you were in charge of inviting all of our VIP guests. And so, yes. she, there's, yeah. Wow. I still have a folder with hundreds of emails to to city officials and stuff. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she crafted an email to, it went out to the superintendent all the way to Senator Reed's office. So she she was the one who formulated the invitation and made sure that it got out and you know, put the pressures on us and had deadlines to make sure that everything got to the right people at the right time and that people understood what they were getting invited to mm -hmm. and was on phone calls with some people as well. Um, so it was really tremendous, her efforts and the team's efforts of putting together um, that project. And we call it Kid Palooza, where we celebrate all the things that the kids do at the end of the year in Cranston. Um, and so what they came up with was incredible. They uh, beautified courtyards. They have um, two community gardens at two different schools. They put up picnic benches and um, they didn't get too, so the crosswalk, they got a little, mm -hmm. they got into the politics of what it would take to paint a crosswalk. And <laughs> but it was a really good experience for you learn from our that. You learn from that from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you learn from the nose and you learn challenges. from who you talk to. And I had one student who's friends with Sophia and he called, you know, he called the police station. They said, oh no, you got to call the city. He called the city. The city said, oh no, you got to call the police station. And after he mm -hmm. went back and forth about a few times, he looked at me and said, this is complicated. Does anybody know what they're doing? And I just laughed and I said, hey, welcome to my world, you know, <laughs> trying to court them and figure things out. But yeah. it really does teach them um, how to be more engaged and, and gets them encouraged to be more civically engaged as well as youth. And, and our programs, I have to say, across the state, not just in Cranston, really do have a child and a young person rethink what they could uh, be capable of doing. And like Sophia said, and, and Hillary has touched upon, take the skills that they're, they're, they're getting all of these skills jammed into them in the school day and they have no idea where to apply them. And mm -hmm. the after school world allows them to apply them to something, whether it's yeah. a project or physically getting out there and being on a team or doing an art installation. Um, we had kids, and I know um, that there's youth in Providence that are putting in art installations all over the city. All you know, city, yeah. being involved in those types of real world global projects really puts them on the map and makes them think about, hey, you know, I, I have a career pathway here, or I have an education pathway. And 
I've had great conversations with my youth where they said, I felt so pressured to go to college. I had no idea what I want to do in college until I got to the after school program. And now I think, I think I could, I think I could be an apprentice. I think I could do something different. And that makes me feel happy that there's some future that they've chosen that they're not mm -hmm. feeling left out and that they feel like they can apply a skill developed during the school day after school. Right. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned that, uh, like during this project that Sophia, you, you said that you were, had to reach out to so many different officials. Those are skills that you may never, even as an adult may never be able to develop. You may never realize how, important it is to be engaged and to be able to reach out to your officials and communicate with them how simple it is as easy as a phone call or an email and I feel like at least myself I, I didn't really take part in any of that until I got my first internship which was senior year of college so it's really important for folks to be for participants to be introduced to this at such a young age because you really are able to weed out what your interests are and you're able to put, like you said, Ayana, things that you're learning throughout the school day, you may be doing a project, say the, um, the project that you were talking about, Sophia, and say, wow, we've learned about this and now we're actually putting it to use and creating something out of it or working on a project that's actually putting it to use, which is really awesome. Yeah, so in, in the school day, you're just, your schedule is so jam-packed with just pure academics that you don't really have the time to develop these skills, like just even writing a formal email and stuff like that. So that was definitely really helpful in, in career-wise, too, because um, I was able to secure an internship my junior year. Um, definitely learned a lot of resume-building skills and communication skills and stuff like that from going through these projects and talking to people. That's great. I, mean, I think that's sort of the opportunity, Erica, especially since we're talking to teachers for us. I think our, our, our world is very youth driven. Mm -hmm. And I think the perfect balance would be if we could be much more in harmony with the schools. I, I feel like some, when, the, when the faculty that we hire join into our world, it's where youth see the faculty of schools mm -hmm. in a very different light. And then the faculty get to do the hands-on experiential and have it be more youth shaped and youth directed. Mm -hmm. And I think figuring out how we as a field um, join more with the educational field, the, I call us sort of the informal educator with the formal educator. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with this COVID crisis, this is like the perfect time for us to think about changing how we work together. Because in the past, it's sort of like we're a second shift and we love hiring teachers, but it's not an aligned effort. And one of the things I think that Ayana and I have been working on pretty intensely with our whole sector in conversations and, and finding out about the work is that all of our colleagues, my entire staff has been working on the phone um, every day, speaking to every youth once a week and helping them understand what, where is it that their families can get food. Every single one of our colleagues is out there looking at the food needs of our students. They're in touch with them weekly. They're, they've been helping them with the Chromebooks systems, understanding how to get connected where their families don't have connectivity communicating with the schools about youth who are disengaged or, or, or not connected. And then we've all been working on virtual programming to figure out if there's a break between the math and the reading time, here's some exercises people can be doing, or here's some meditation, or here's some artwork in the afternoon. So as families are struggling and teachers are struggling how to fill a full day, 
our whole group of colleagues is, are developing amazing online re resources from the zoo to the libraries, to the YMCA, mm -hmm. cooking classes, exercise. It's amazing. Yeah. And this might be the time, I think, I mean, Ayan and I believe this, and I know all our mm -hmm. colleagues do, that this summer will be the perfect time for us to really think about how do we develop these virtual connections so kids aren't just glued in front of the computers, that they're taking a break, doing real-world mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. How do we think about maybe if we have to episodically close schools during the coming year, how do we align our formal educator and informal educator and figure out how we knit these two worlds together? Because I think we're right. doing it informally now as a reaction to COVID. We're mm -hmm. setting ourselves up structurally this summer to be there as a summer presence in a, a non-computer only way, because I think the kids are gonna get fried. Teachers mm -hmm. are gonna get fried too, I know. I know my friends and colleagues are. I mean, how do we figure out how do we develop a much more coll collegial, collaborative, where we're sharing resources and ideas and thinking through, if we have to close schools episodically next year, where do we team up and how do we help each other? Absolutely. I'm so, so excited. We've got a teacher audience because boy, would Ayana and I like faculty to contribute to some ideas and give us some guidance. Yeah, I've got some fabulous teachers, um, uh, part of my crew in Cranston as well. And uh, they delivered amazing opportunities because they got to see that some of the things that they were kind of like really droning into kids during the day, they had, to, they had time to slow down a little bit and work on a specific project for about eight to 10 weeks. And so that's where it's applied, just to kind of give a little bit more of a picture that Hillary is talking about and uh, Sophia are talking about, is that it's an opportunity when we partner with our teachers to apply that knowledge, but to work on a specific thing. So what I'll say is uh, we had a teacher, or I have a teacher in Cranston, he's a rock star, mm -hmm. and um, he really embraced the community garden and, and beautifying the areas around the school. Um, and he took it as, you know, this almost is like a hobby, but we're also applying some of the skills that we're teaching during the school day. And then he was able to connect with other teachers in his building to get advice on how to grow, talk to the director mm -hmm. of science, uh, how to grow things in the garden and ideas on how to engage the youth's family. And so mm -hmm. sending some of the food home and then teaching them how to cook some of the food and really kind of making partnerships. So it was a wonderful opportunity for a teacher to explore a program after school and make it their own with the youth. And he really listened to the youth on what they wanted and then tried to grow it in the ways that he could in terms of his inner network with his other teachers and his colleagues. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's um, worthy to note that when they do get these projects in the after school program, it gives them the opportunity to work on one thing for a, like a six week summer program where you know mm -hmm. you're in the school for hours a day with these children, but you just get to focus on that one thing. So instead of making that quick, you know, terrarium and you're growing peas, now you're growing a whole garden with eggplant, squash, tomatoes, you have to do the cages, you have to right. make the compost, you have the dirt, and there's just a whole different community that you create. And one of the cool things that he did was he had the students taking, and he did this with uh, the site coordinator as well, because it's a 21st century site, which is federally funded. And he had um, him and the site coordinator coordinated, and they had the children taking the food waste from the cafeteria and putting it into their compost to create the soil for the garden. So awesome. teaching them community, and mm -hmm. but being able to do it at his pace with the youth, rather than being like, oh, we have to get through this to get to a test. 
it, it made him feel good. And he always in, continues to express his, um, his thankfulness for being able to be involved in the out-of-school time programs to really help focus on a specific project and invest a lot of passion into it. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. And yes, this, this labor vision segment will be shared with our wide base of viewers, which will include definitely a lot of um, teachers who are represented by the AFT or the RI, Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals, as well as NERI, uh, the National Educators Association of Rhode Island. But also we have a lot of viewers from other labor industries. So I, as you're talking about this and talking about some of the different projects, all I can think about is how great the involvement of other labor unions. So some of the other, I'm thinking building trades specifically. Um, it would be really great because that's something else that a lot, some students may not realize just from um, in the classroom. They may not realize how there's other options, there's other alternatives. And this hands-on learning, Sophia, that you took part in yourself and that helped you realize how interested you are and how good you are at engineering um, would be really cool for others to have kind of that aha moment of being able to do something that they really loved and find out wow i really like working with my hands i really like painting maybe i could look into the painters union or something you know what i mean so um, we have a lot of kids that were in our program when we told you about beautifying cranston mm -hmm. there were different sectors and pods of work and so we had students that were middle schoolers that were actually building the picnic tables wow. using pods, learning um cutting skills oh, yeah. that um, yeah. yeah. There's so, a group, uh, Down City Design is one of our big partners. They're in the uh, career tech and they've been building bike racks and skateboard parks and they have the students design them and build them. They're an incredible after school partner. We've had the Labor Institute and laborers come in and we funded the Labor Institute to do um, building programs. Um, we had a group of youth that joined uh, the building of a house out of, of, of the career tech, and that was supported by one of my board members. So the, the reality is the interface, there's, there's so many incredible examples in our state of groups in Providence, Westerly, Cranston, East Providence, who are doing amazing things. River's Edge up in Woonsocket is a, another yep. fabulous that, that teaches, that connects art to economic development and sustainable projects. We all order t-shirts from them. They've created a business. So the career-related hands-on projects, there are myriads and filtered throughout of these programs are a lot of teachers. We have a partnership in the middle school with the Trinity Theater and GAM and the theater arts teachers. Last year, they produced Annie together. And we, we took the, we realized that none of the kids in Providence had been to a, a Trinity to see a performance. We had the art, uh, the actor Joe Wilson come out to view some of the programs and That's give awesome. them advice for their dress rehearsals. Yeah. So here you are building the, the literacy theater arts teachers in the schools with after school, with a production, with a formal theater. This is where we as a community in this state are, are incredibly rich. And I think Ayana and I are hoping and, and, and praying that uh, maybe this COVID crisis will create a mental shift that lets us all think about teaming up more with the faculty and teachers. And I think they could as advocates drive a much more cohesive integrated agenda with us as partners. And we would love to have them involved in that and being advocates for what we're doing not just advocates for a budget item, but advocates for greater policy cohesion. And I would think that we could also um, partner with a lot of the different unions, especially because 
students want to be a part of them and they don't know how necessarily and so it would be wonderful to see where we could create new um, partnerships into, into our Rhode Island After School Network mm -hmm. from the different unions that could be a resource to our young people that are really interested in the trades. Mm -hmm. uh, we have so many different students that participate in, like uh, Hillary said, so many different areas. And so when you see a community garden, for example, in Westerly at Tower Street School, you're seeing it, be, it but it's been built by several different hands and those are still mm -hmm. young people. Um, and then when you, all the way up, when you're going, you know, to Cranston, all of our raised beds were built by young people and they didn't know where to expand those skills. And so we, we did that research. We helped them, you know, continue, but on, to strengthen, and that's all we want to do with our Rhode Island After School Network to strengthen the quality and to, to strengthen the practice and make sure that we put youth on career paths. We really do need to be able to partner with as many folks as possible that are interested in putting youth on a, a career path. So with that, I have two, a double question. Um, one would be for uh, labor leaders or community organizations interested or teachers interested in getting involved, how would they get involved? Who would they contact? Um, yeah, what would- So for the Rhode Island After School Network, they can contact me. Uh, okay. Uh, if they go on the United Way of uh, Rhode Island's website, there is a Rhode Island After School Network page on there, mm -hmm. and they can sign up to be a member, and they'll start receiving our emails. They can also email me directly, and I can share that information, and you could share it out with everybody. Okay. Um, and we could t talk then as well on how they can partner. And in terms of other efforts, if if you know, they're trying to think in the moment, um, it would be great if uh, they could start reaching out to their local representation and making sure to let them know that they are advocates for these types of programs. That okay. would be very helpful. Um, we have amazing representation at the federal level, mm -hmm. um, but at our state level, we're still trying to develop more and more champions. We have a few champions that we really love here in Rhode Island that represent us at the state house every day. I know they're not there right now during COVID, but they do really fight for us. And so it's good for more folks to hear um, the support around these types of programs in Rhode Island. And then um, the second part of that question would be if there are students throughout the state who are interested in getting involved, who are not necessarily in Providence, um, who, how would they get involved in a program like this? If they just maybe have never heard of it in their community or, how would they do that? Again, please tell them to reach out to me. Um, okay. As a network, we have all of the different after-school programs and out-of-school time programs, so summer programs, programs that are happening during vacation times, um, programs that are happening on the weekends, programs that are happening during COVID. Uh, they can get in touch with me and I can hook them up, You know, learn what community they're from, and I can tell them and put them into the direction of those executive directors, those program directors, that could then help get them into programs. Great. Thank you. And Hillary, I wanted you to give you some time too to discuss a little bit about the fundraiser that you are working you guys are working on as well. Uh, what was it, a fundraiser? What? Yeah, the uh, fundraiser that you had shared from the newsletter. So how folks can donate to the. Oh uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, the thing about our world is uh, we 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 do have to raise a lot of money to make sure this happens. So we're trying to make sure during COVID that the, that our community partner organizations still 
um, we can provide the funding for them to, to create virtual programming and the summer programming and, then, and that, that we could give them some lift during next year. So we're, um, we, we had to cancel a sports celebration this uh, spring, but we're happy to take donations at, at Providence After School Alliance. But we're also happy to have teachers join us, particularly Providence teachers in the middle school or high school, if ever they wanted to teach programming. Um, we do invite them and pay them. Um, and so they should go look at our website. And um, I think that uh, Ayana is, is a good resource, the, the After School Network for kids, young people in, in Providence. She's got a really amazing map for what programming exists around the state. For Providence middle school and high school youth, if they or their parents contacted us, we could tell them we're in eight schools, but I work collegially with almost all the after school providers and could steer them in the right direction, know what schools um, they're connected to. And there's also a whole host of high school course, course uh, for credit programs that we offer at Providence called the Advanced Course Network. And we have 10 organizations, um, everything from the zoo to the libraries doing coding to down city design, where you can actually get high school credit. Um, and they're very co career uh, course oriented. So there's a lot of opportunities in the, in the state that the, the two organizations, anyone just emails either one of us and the two of us will send everybody in the direction of getting active. And, but I think really connecting to your legislators to say, hey, and I think to educate principals and superintendents and the commissioner to say, hey, let's figure out how during this paradigm shift that's occurring, do we team up more together to think about linking the out-of-school time world with the formal education world? Because I think we're all going to get tired unless we think collaboratively and think innovatively about different ways to activate young leaders like Sophia. There, mm -hmm. I've never met a student in Providence who is an absolutely creative and brilliant, but they um, they thrive when they get to be in a mix of inform of formal and informal learning. And when that's combined, they just they blossom. Right. So we gotta think about new ways to do that. All right. Well, we're going to make it very easy for folks to get in touch with both of you. Um, we can share your emails either along the bottom or um, I can also in a post I can share your contact information on there when we share this for our networks. Perfect. Perfect. Right. So I want to give um, all of you guys a little bit of time before we wrap up to have if you have any closing statements you'd like to share or information you'd like to end with. Take it away. So I'll start. Um, I will say uh, I wrote a grant a few years ago and I said in it that after school programs will save the world. Um, and so what I meant by that when I wrote it is that our out of school time programs across the state of Rhode Island, they surprise me every single day. And we have programs right now that are responding to COVID in such an innovative way. Um, I have a program in Cranston that's uh, delivered to 250 youth enrichment kits to do hands-on activities to break up their day a little bit. And the parents have been loving it because it's been giving them an opportunity to maybe like clean the house for <laughs> 30 minutes or just take a breath and just breathe. And also their child gets to do something very different than sitting on the computer. Um, so I, I really applaud those efforts all the way to my programs that are literally going and delivering food to houses every single day and making sure that their families are eating and extending that invitation out. And, you know, one thing that I forgot to lift up that I want to lift up in this closing statement is that our after school programs have been such a strong support for our English language learners. Our staff look like our children. Awesome. And so they speak the language, they speak Spanish, they speak Kumar, they speak Chinese Mandarin. And that's very helpful in times of crises 
when the information is just coming over in one language and confusing. And so, you know, Hillary, her staff at PASA is actually calling people to, like she said, 2,000 people, but it's an authentic relationship of trust. And so they trust them to bring food to the house. They trust them to bring enrichments. They trust them to work on the computers with them. And that's what's so important. And that's why it would be wonderful to connect so many different worlds with what we're plugged into as an after-school network, how we really are seen as a trusted resource in all communities across Rhode Island, and how our after-school programs really have made that possible with the deep connections that they have, because a lot of the folks that work in our after-school programs actually live in those neighborhoods in the community, and that's why they're so passionate, and that's why they show um, so much love towards the work. Mm -hmm. So we're here to professionalize them. We're here to get them recognized. We're here to get them respect and be at the education tables. So please, please, please uh, talk loudly if you believe in this or if you want more information, feel free to reach out to me um, so that we can get uh, these programs not only the supports that they need from our legislators in Rhode Island, but so that we can continue to create strong partnerships to give the youth what they need, um, mm -hmm. make them more connected to everybody. Thank you. Well, I'm going to let Sophia be last because she's the voice we need to listen to. I think the reason our out-of-school time community is so strong in Rhode Island is we really do listen and empower uh, our young people. They are our customer. And I think the, the, the you know, applause is to all of the community-based organizations who stay really grounded in what the developmental needs, what the adolescent brain science says young people need, but they most importantly trust and listen to young people. What inspires you? What, what do you wanna know? What about the world can we help you connect to? Who do you wanna be? And we really believe in empowering and listen, giving youth agency because in order to solve the problems of a pandemic or global warming or whatever political dissents we have, we really need to make sure we're empowering and listening to the young people and engaging them actively in problem solving because we need them to be active learners and to be shaping what we do as a field and how we learn and how we change our, our, our world because we need the Sophia's and the, the thousands of young people I've come to know who are potential citizens. They're gonna really um, change the face of the world if we if we actively engage them in learning in the way the OST field does. So I can't thank my provider community enough that over 200 part-time workers and 50 organizations, they are extraordinary because they're staying close to the needs of young people and their families. Absolutely. I hope we're doing that, Sophia. I think, <laughs> I know Ayana has. <laughs> as your mentor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, I mean, after school programs work and my peers and I were afforded so many opportunities that we weren't going to be able to experience otherwise. And it's definitely shaped a lot of my life and it's been very important to me and it should be, it, should, it works. Awesome. <laughs> that's the perfect line it works exactly it works exactly it does. invest in it take part in it. <laughs> yeah all right well i want to thank all three of you guys so much um ayana hillary sophia thank you for being here um i hope that you are all able to stay safe enjoy some of the beautiful weather um and i just want to commend the great work that you guys are doing amidst all of this um i think that you guys are doing some incredible work so thank you all for being here
Thank, thank you, you, Erica. <laughs> and thank you to all the teachers out there listening who are part of our world. We love having you. More yeah. more and we appreciate you. It's Teacher Appreciation Week, so we appreciate you, yeah. OST fielders. And thank <laughs> you so much, um, Labor Vision, for letting us talk and be here. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can have you all on soon again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You For did. those of you who are watching at home, you're watching Labor Vision, our at-home edition, and we want to thank you so much for tuning in still amidst everything that's going on. Uh, stay safe, stay positive, and we hope to see you back here again soon. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.